I'm Michael Smith. And I'm Chuck Osborne. And welcome to the Iron Capital Podcast. Where we break down investment stuff with anecdotes and stories that non-financial geeks can understand. Hey, this is Michael. And this is Chuck. It's Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. This is the third episode of the Iron Capital Podcast. So let's get to it, Chuck. What's on your mind? Um, Equity, Michael. Equity is on my mind, and particularly that there is no equity in the equity market. (laughs) Well, that's a bit of a different take than we were used to hearing about the word equity. uh, Well, we we got a little uh, uh, wordplay there, but you've got... um, a situation in the markets where, as of June one, uh, you got seven stocks that are up on combined, kind of average about sixty percent or so in the S and P five hundred, and you got four hundred and ninety three stocks that have an average return of zip, <laughs> nada, and so that is not a very equal distribution of returns. No, that's the opposite. Of that is that is the absolute opposite. We have some. Uh, I think we got some um, artificial intelligence privilege going on. <laughs> well, um, well, let's di- dive into that. But first, let's set it up a little bit and let's talk about a little bit about what happened last year, because that kind of primes the pump of explaining what what happened this year a bit. Well, right. So um, last year in the uh, stock market, you had a year where um, value really out performed um, growth. And when we talk about uh, value versus growth, these are philosophies of investors where um, you know a growth investor is looking for companies that are on the cutting edge, that are going to grow uh, very rapidly. Usually you're talking about technology companies, could be healthcare, uh, biotech, you know, something like that, where uh, these are companies that have a um, innovation that are going to make them grow faster than the economy as a whole. Um, and those types of investments have been in favor for a long, a, time. A long time, really since the financial crisis. Yeah, since the financial um, crisis. In 2008. And um, the other type of investor that people think about, and Warren Buffett is the, the you know the, kind of the poster child for this, um, is that you think about an investor who is looking for bargains. He's looking for a stock that's gone on sale. So for some reason, the price of the stock is not really reflecting the true value of the company. Um, value investors tend to uh, find bargains in more traditional industries, industrials, um, energy companies, things like that. And they really did very well um, relatively speaking, in um, 22. Um, And especially at the end, when we did get the rally, um, that is what led the way uh, from a pretty dramatic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To put that in context a bit, so large cap growth, the big growth companies that are household names, down roughly 30% in 2022, whereas the large cap value companies, the household names, you know, banks, insurance companies down seven and a half. That's an enormous performance divergence. Yeah, it, that is a big difference. And so, and that also is is why, you know, dividend paying stocks, for example, last year, which tend to be more attractive to value type investors, they did very well. Yeah, dividend paying stocks did 
um, even better. So dividend stocks tend to be in the value cohort, mm -hmm. but within value, dividend paying stocks did even better than value as a as a whole for the for the year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and that was a huge divergence too. Right. But one of the most powerful forces in investments is what we refer to as a reversion to the mean, which is a fancy way of saying um, everyone has a way of eventually going back to the average. You know, so whatever the average is, uh, most uh, stocks usually end up getting there eventually. And so we started in 2023 with um, those growth companies that had been so beaten up really coming back and outperforming uh, the value companies in the first quarter of, of 2023, which would really to us just look like a normal uh, reversion. You know, you've got, you know, you know, nothing happens in a straight line. You go back and forth. And, and that was, you know, a situation where the growth stocks have been way behind in 2022. Mm -hmm. And they kind of caught up at the, at the beginning of this year. Uh, but somewhere along the line, it kind of shifted. And it all became about artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. AI became the, yeah. uh, the you know, theme du jour for the market, what right. everyone was talking about, which I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this has had to have all everyone in the world talking about chat GPT and whatnot, right? This is a big topic of conversation with it. It is a big topic of conversation. And, um, and rightfully so it's an exciting new, uh, well, it's not even really that new. It's not it, that new. Yeah. It's been around uh, for a long time. We had a, you know, fairly significant breakthrough in the last year or so with uh, ChatGPT. Which is really just the most visible sign of that technology that's kind of being used in the background in a lot of other other places. You had what a lot of, you know, if you talk to the people that are actually deep in that technology, you just, you had a, a step function right. in that technology, which ChatGPT was a way for normal people to see it and interact with it in a way that you normally can't. Right, absolutely, and um, and that you know has really led to a lot of excitement in that area, um, and it is the stocks that are most closely associated with that technology that have been the ones that have really taken off and um, led the market. And this, a lot of this divergence, uh, you'll hear people talking about it being a year-to-date phenomenon, and those numbers I quoted were year-to-date. But it, so much of it happened in the month of May. I mean, it really was kind of a crazy month where you had a very select number of stocks just going through the roof, why everything else, quite frankly, was not just staying flat. It was getting beaten up. Yeah, it was actually down. The, the, over right, that month, right. a lot of other stocks were actually down. Yeah, the majority absolutely. Of the other I think for down. there are going to be a lot of stock investors are going to go when they get their statements like, what the heck? I mean, it, you know, I actually have a negative return here and everything on the news says the markets are up. Well, yeah. Seven stocks are up. Yeah, that's right. Seven. There are seven stocks so, that are that right. are up, and and the biggest one of those, which real, all of them tie into the AI craze, right? Correct. But Nvidia is kind of the poster child, so it probably makes sense to talk a little bit about Nvidia and what it does, and, and why it is seeing the 
you know, resurgence after, by the way, falling something like 70% in 2022. Let's not forget that. Right. NVIDIA has definitely been, it's a roller coaster stock and it's been all over uh, the place uh, throughout its history. Um, but NVIDIA is known as, it's a chip company. Um, it has a technology that, that makes most of the chips that um, are more advanced than your everyday chip that yeah. are allowed, that are empowering a lot of this um, artificial intelligence technology. And uh, so that's what they do, and that's why people are excited about them. And they are up 192% year, year to date. Yeah, so they've flown. Yeah, that's right. So this AI stuff takes an enormous amount of processing power, a shocking right. amount. So NVIDIA was started in the late 90s. They make what are called GPUs, which are graphics processing units, versus CPUs, which is what we've always thought with normal chips. And they came about because in the late 90s, these video game systems took so much graphics power that they had to come up with a new type of a chip to, to power those graphics. And um, fast forward to now, and you've had a couple of different instances where there are some technologies that just need this unbelievable power of processing. One was the mining of Bitcoin, which is ridiculous. We can talk about another day. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. You're just sitting, you know, you have to iterate as much as possible. Um, but but the second big push here is, again, yeah, it's, it's with AI. It's these, these iterative technologies that how many times can you run an iteration? Can you take all this data, look for patterns in it, and spit something out that looks like a human <laughs> could create it and it's, it's it's somewhat wild but it's um but at this point nvidia handles about 80 percent of that right and so uh, the, the stock is up um dramatically and you know we'll see here's the problem though with all of these technologies anytime you get a technological advance um, the people who are most closely associated with it, the people who get very excited about um, a cutting-edge breakthrough, they always believe that the, the technological revolution is going to happen far faster than it actually, actually does. does. Yes. Um, now, having said that, um, technology, um, you know, that's also true on the flip side. Uh, the naysayers, the skeptics, um, usually um, are wrong on the other end. They usually believe that it's not going to happen yeah. as fast as it does. Uh, the actual speed usually ends up being um, in the middle. Well, it's a this is a mania, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this to us, uh, specifically in Nvidia has all the earmarks of kind of a classic bubble, mm -hmm. which could very well burst. And um, when we talk about um, bubbles, it, they're really driven by uh, investor psychology. And um, the psychology, and we've used this chart for years, going back to 2012, a guy named Greg Davies presented this um, at the CFA um, Institute's uh, Wealth Management Conference back in 2012. Um, and he showed a chart about behavioral finance um, where the average investor starts with reluctance. You know, and we see this all the time. People are reluctant to move. They are always afraid that 
now's not the good time. Is, is now the time for me to, to invest? That is the, the general you know, default starting position of most investors. Yes. Uh, but eventually they follow something like AI and they get very um, excited about it. You know, they start seeing all this news. They start seeing companies like in the video, their stock is going, is going up 200% going up, in a, well, a year, right? <laughs> yeah, dramatically. Even before it was up that much, sure. they see it starting start to go up. It. They start yeah. getting excited. Um, and then at the very top, they're just downright exuberant. Yeah. And they, they kind of go over the moon. And that's really where it hits kind of, you know, 200% in the yeah. six-month period of time. Um, and then what almost always happens in the markets is, again, the technology adoption is not going to be as fast as people think it is. And when we start to get news about those kinds of things, the first reaction for most investors is they're going to be in denial because they see the future and they think, you know, you know, everyone's... Um, we're all going to be unemployed next year because the, you know the computers hey, are just going to run it. <laughs> computers are running everything. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, they're going to they're going to be in denial about it uh, because that's the natural thing. Um, and then that Nvidia stock will likely Starts come back over and turn bit, over. Right? As we said, it was just down seventy percent what last year. Mm-hmm. And so um, and remember that going down seventy percent is. Um, a lot different than going up 200%. Yeah. You can only go down 100%. Yep. You know, 100% goes all the way to zero. Yeah. So, um, you know, a 70% drop is a significant drop yeah. in, in a stock. Um, and so when that starts to happen, they're, they're going to, then they're, they're going to get fearful um, and eventually they're going to panic. Um, and then finally, they will capitulate. Nvidia's stock will be down 70, 80 <laughs> percent. And um, at that point, Nvidia will probably be a good buy again. And uh, but that is right where the mania investors are going to be getting out. Yeah. And um, at that, then you have the emotional feelings of now you've been burnt. And. Um, you're going to be a little depressed about it, um, and at at some point, then you're going to be very reluctant again. You're all yeah. the way back to reluctance. Yeah, and it's just a cycle. And it it is just it a plays cycle out over again that plays out with individual stocks with over and over and again. The overall market and how people get in and out of, in and out right. of the market to invest. Right. You know, it's it's interesting too. It's it's hard to know and sometimes where you are in that in that right. It's it's very difficult to but know. But there are moments that that kind of have been um, telltale signs, and I always like to talk about it. Is oftentimes when you're in the exuberance phase is when because we're professionals, right? We do this for a living. Is when like people we know start calling us and talking about things like, <laughs> "Hey, should I buy in the video right now?" Or just general people. Like my favorite right. story about this is um, this was in I think 2020 when the meme stock craze was happening and GameStop, you know, had been up like 500% for no reason. It was not a good company, but its stock flew. Right. And our, um, our tech guy, our outsourced tech guy, like I was out getting lunch during a day and he was looking at our network and he called me and said, hey, is your network okay? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you sound down. What's going on? He goes, 
man, these GameStop calls are killing me. Like, my tech guy is calling me and that GameStop options are killing me. Like, this is a top, right? It's like this when you, when you start getting people to talk to you about these kind of things, tends to be a bad sign. It does tend to be a bad sign. And we're, you're seeing that with the video a lot right now. Right, right. So we'll you see. are seeing that with the video. <laughs> and um, so I think that leads to the question of, um, what are you supposed to do as an investor? If NVIDIA looks like um, it's you know crazy um, expensive. expensive and um, and maybe setting up for a bubble, um, what can you do? Because first of all, we don't know when the bubble will burst. The bubble can get much bigger. It could go for years. It, it could go for years. Or days. And <laughs> no one knows know. that. If anyone you know claims that they do. Uh, they're just wrong. I mean, people were talking about a technology bubble. It's funny, in the aftermath of, of the dot-com bubble bursting, everyone says everyone missed it. <laughs> That's not true. People had been talking about it since 1997. Yeah. It didn't burst until 2000. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it can go on for a long uh, period of time, and who knows what NVIDIA will do. But here's... A little trivia. You know, um, one of us said, I'm not even sure who said it, that NVIDIA makes chips. But that's not exactly true, right? That's not exactly true. Yeah. Uh, NVIDIA uh, doesn't, doesn't really, yeah. yeah, they design chips. I mean, NVIDIA makes chips like most, most clothing manufacturers make clothes. Yeah. They have a label. Um, and they put their label on a certain chip that is designed for them. It's their technology and all of that. But there's a company called Taiwan Semiconductor who actually makes NVIDIA's chips. Yeah, like technically, 10 or 15 years ago, the chip world changed where it used to be that Intel and all these people made their own chips. Uh, they changed and a few companies in the entire world make chips and all these other companies um, design them. And Taiwan makes the vast majority of the chips in the world. Right, and all of Nvidia's chips are and, almost all, <laughs> and they and they make all of Nvidia's chips. And so, um, um, so here's like a little compare and contrast. Now, Taiwan Semiconductor has benefited from this. They are up forty some percent year to date. That's not one hundred ninety two percent, but that's good, uh, <laughs> very good, good over a six month period of time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, but. Uh, NVIDIA is selling currently for 220 uh, times earnings. So that means for every dollar that they earn, you're paying $220. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, who actually makes the chips, um, is selling at $16 for every dollar that yeah. they earn. A price-to-earnings ratio of 16. Yeah. Right. And so that is um, obviously a significant difference. Uh, now, if this mania continues, Taiwan's probably going to continue to lag behind NVIDIA, but they're still going to get um, an, an incredible return. On the, on the same uh, time, it's also very important to understand that NVIDIA could go out of business and Taiwan would be still fine. Making everyone else's chips in the world. Yeah. They make chips for a lot of people other than yeah. just NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, if Taiwan goes out of business... NVIDIA's out of business. NVIDIA's out of business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and so, um, 
so you also have, you know, it, it's a it's a larger, it's a more stable, it is a safer um, uh, stock. Now, a lot of people are concerned about uh, political risk with Taiwan Semiconductor mm-hmm. because, as the name <laughs> suggests, they are in Taiwan, mm-hmm. and and we have political tensions, obviously, between uh, with China and whether China is going to do something about invading um, Taiwan. But it's interesting that people will talk about that with Taiwan Semiconductor, but they never seem to mention it when they're talking about AI Nvidia. and yeah. NVIDIA. Uh, you know, so th- there is not a world where China invades Taiwan and takes, so and you know, puts Taiwan Semiconductor out of business. And NVIDIA is okay. And NVIDIA <laughs> would be okay. So, um, you know, that risk is really the same with both of those uh, companies. It's just with one of the companies, people aren't yeah. even paying attention to it mm-hmm. uh, because the word Taiwan isn't actually in their name. So yep. um, so that is just, just an example. Um, another example, of course, is Microsoft. Um, and you said it's so interesting. Microsoft is such a, an interesting story. You know, as you know, we owned Microsoft years ago when most people didn't want to touch it because every quarter... Uh, they were reporting earnings, and their total earnings were better than the market expected. But the earnings were coming from the gaming division. They weren't coming from, you know, their bread and butter product, which was, you know, the office, the, you yeah. know, the suite, the old school, you know, buy the disc and upload it mm-hmm. um, kind of program. And now, you know, they are also one of the beneficiaries of this AI um you know, push. Um, they um, and um, so much of that technology that they used to be a major player in the cloud and everything they're doing today came from gaming. Yeah, the gaming. And, it, it, and it's amazing how um, so many times in when you allow for a free market, um, the the most unexpected result comes from. Um, you know, somewhere else in the business, and you don't necessarily see it coming. And uh, it's also an example of where you get opportunities in the market because for there's and that that was a great example. I mean, Microsoft stock was down to twenty dollars, and now it's what three hundred. Yeah, multi hundred. And so you. Um, but uh, back then, when no one wanted to touch Microsoft, it's because that you know all they cared about was that one business line, mm-hmm. and they weren't and they they uh, discounted the fact that the company was making money somewhere else. And um, there's a lot of opportunities that are created in the market because of things like that. Yeah, and that's really where you see, in my opinion, real. Opportunities. It's not from chasing things like Nvidia, which who knows what will happen, but in all likelihood. Yeah, well, the market is unbelievably narrow, right? We right. seven stocks are, are are almost all the return for the year to date. Twenty four percent of stocks are outperforming the S and P. If we were to stay that way for the year, this would be the the most narrow outperformance in fifty years, right? This is a very rare occurrence when this few um, stocks outperform, and that's almost always a telltale sign that, again, what we already talked about, mean reversion will most likely occur. Now, whether it's today or whenever it's going to happen, but 
you know, you see these times. There's a lot of historical times where these, these mean reversion themes happen over and over again, like it happened in 99. There's been a lot of them where, where these have happened. Technology tends to, to, to be a part of them lately. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. No, you're absolutely right. So a lot of the things, uh, for example, dividend-paying stocks, which uh, were the did extraordinarily well in 2022, have just been unduly punished in 2023. And so much of the story doesn't even really make sense. So people are exi- excited about you know AI. They're excited in general about technology. But we still have this backdrop in the market where pundits just don't want to admit that they're wrong about the economy as a whole. They keep insisting that there has to be a recession. Uh, you know, it's just, it's almost like it's a religious fervor. They just, they refuse to actually see the data. And uh, they keep saying that we're going to go into a recession. And their argument is that, um, technology stocks and a brand new technology and or you know a breakthrough in AI um, will do well regardless of the fact that we may be in a recession well okay let's just say for the sake of argument let's say that they're right we do go in a recession okay they may be right about those technology stocks they may be able to continue to grow but you know what else does really well in a recession? <laughs> Dividend-paying stocks that don't go out of business go do really well, okay, well. In, in recessions. You know, just because technology has become kind of counterintuitively a defensive area doesn't mean that old-school defensive stocks don't work when the economy slows down. Yeah. And so... Um, it's really absurd that you've seen this kind of um, situation where um, utilities have just been taken out to the woodshed. Well, I mean, year to date, high the the, the highest paying stocks in the div in the S and P five hundred are down about four percent. Right. And the S and P is up over ten. Like that's wild. That's an absolutely wild situation, um, especially in the context of. Um, of a higher interest rate world, right. of a higher inflationary Inflation world, world yeah. right? Inflation is high. Historically, during periods of high inflation, um, so dividends, going back to 1930, have been about 40% of your total return in the stock market. Right, absolutely. Now, if you look at periods of high inflation, the 40s and the 70s, right. that got to 65 and 75, 70% of, of total return. Now, if you look at 2010, that was about 17% of total return. You know, when, when rates are very low... For the decade. That for that decade of 2010s, yeah. yeah. When rates are very low, um, there's nowhere else to put your money. But in right. a world where you can get 4 and 5% out of cash, there is an alternative. Having something that pays you income while you're hoping to get some of that capital appreciation, that tends to be a very large portion of your, of your total return. And it sure seems like that's where we're going to be going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are setting up for a situation where um, you're you're going to have the value stocks um, come back. Um, so the you know the setup we have right now, um, and you think about what those value areas are, and so many of the high dividend payers, what where they are. 
you've got energy. Well, right now, oil is, um, right before I came in here, it was at $72. This morning, it was at close to $70. Um, so it's up dramatically today. But it's at the bottom end of what's really been a very sticky range. And so, um, you know, oil for the last, what, year, year and a half, maybe two years even, um, has has just kind of drifted between 70 and on the high side, 85, mm-hmm. 90. Yep. And it just keeps going back and forth. Um, we are about to enter the summer travel schedule. Uh, there's going to be a higher demand for oil. Uh, the economy continues to be better than all these people are expecting. Um, you're going to continue to see uh, demand for oil. And um, supply. Well, yeah, and d- supply. demand should stay high and supply should stay low because there right. are political reasons and a lot of other reasons why you can't invest right. in, in production as much as we should have, historically and even currently. Absolutely. And that's, you know, right. You, you've got a constrained supply, um, which is largely being constrained, as you said, because of um, um, political and policy reasons. So uh, you're likely to see energy companies do well in the second half. Um, you've got banks and you've got the situation with the uh, regional banks, which uh, was... Uh, you know, deemed a crisis. Um, the truth is, there is no crisis. Uh, what we do have is is a difficult environment, um, and you you have you know uh, banks coming out of um, you know a period of time that was extraordinarily easy for banks. You had interest rates all the way down to zero. And people have to think about what banks do in their core business. Uh, they borrow money on the sh- what we call the short end of the yield curve, um, where the Federal Reserve is literally just giving it to them at 0%. And then they loan it out to people uh, in businesses and others at um, for a longer period of time at higher interest rates than what they typically get it for. Um, you know, as the Fed has raised rates, that makes that environment far more challenging for banks. And so we we have been in a challenging environment for banks. A challenging environment is not the same thing as a crisis. No, a few. You have bad right. actors. Yeah. You have people that haven't. You have your banker, but you have institutions that haven't um, done the things that they should have. Right. Um, but that does not mean that the entire uh, sector or industry is in a crisis. Right. Even but, though it's priced at crisis levels currently, it, it exactly we we've we have valuations in banks that we have not seen since uh, the actual financial crisis, yeah. which was a crisis uh, back in in '08 and um, and '09, and um, they should rebound. All they rebound need to do is survive directly. here. <laughs> oh, absolutely! They don't have to do. They don't have to do much. They don't have to do much at all. They have to survive, and the, the the we have to see normalization in the overall interest rate environment right and which we have which I mean seen. so yeah. you you've got the Federal Reserve now the market was shocked you know last week when they um, they were not shocked by what the Federal Reserve actually did which they paused um, I believe for the last time I don't think they're going to do anything in the future um, except maybe talk tough mm-hmm. um, they suggested that they might come back and raise two more times everyone was expecting them to suggest that they might raise one more time mm-hmm. but we're talking about quarter of a basis point 
quarter of a percent. A quarter of a percent. Twenty-five excuse me. basis yeah. points. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-five basis points uh, uh, hikes. They've already gone up five percent. Yeah. Uh, another quarter raise is not going to make a difference. No. And one more on top of that, uh, you. It, it's silly. If I there mean, is damage, it was done. The damage now, has there been may done. Not be damage, but if there was damage, it was done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the you know the idea that that is going to be the straw that breaks a bunch of banks' backs is it just seems. Um, you know, quite ridiculous uh, to me. And then that's not to say that there won't be some poorly run institutions that go out of business, but that's the way that the market is supposed to work. Yeah. Poorly run businesses are supposed to go out of business. And, um, and that's what makes capitalism work in the, in the long haul is that you have to actually be a well-run business in order to survive and thrive. And we shouldn't be all bent out of shape over one or two bad actors, um, all of which had, you know, very unique characteristics, um, really getting what they were, yeah, <laughs> and, frankly, getting what they deserve. Well, and from an investor standpoint, if we look at that investor behavior uh, chart again, you know, where do you want to invest in something? Do you want to invest in something during the exuberance phase when right. you've already gotten a 200% return? Or do you want to, ret- to, to invest in a phase which you th- one thinks is closer to either capital uh, capitulation or despondency, yeah. right? After you're depressed, um, that's actually when, 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 you know, the time to buy, Walter Deemer's an old technolith, you know, he's a, a, an investor, a Wall Street guy, and he had a comment I've always loved, which is, you know, the time to invest is the time you don't want to. <laughs> I'm right. kind of, you know, mutilating that a little bit. But the idea is that you actually, a great investment happens when right. it's not easy yeah. to want to do it. And so, you know, that's, again, that, that, that's how you actually make money in investing. <laughs> no, that is exactly right. You, um, um, you want to be greedy while everyone else is fearful, and you want to be fearful while everyone else is greedy. And so when you, when you look at what's going on in the market today, um, people are being very greedy um, in a very small segment of the market. Um, you know, primarily, I mean, we know we talked about seven stocks because it's seven stocks that, that drove it. It's really one stock. We're yeah. talking about NVIDIA. Everyone else is riding. Ra- and everyone else is riding. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in the meantime, you got 493 stocks in the S&P 500 alone, let alone all the smaller companies and, and international opportunities and everything else, where investors are frankly being very reluctant. And that's where you're going to get the best returns. Yeah, I think our view. Over time. Yeah, our view here. There's a lot of different ways this could go. But with the economic backdrop that we have and kind of what's happening in the markets and whatnot, it would seem that the, 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 the most likely path forward is that those large companies that have done so well um, flatten out, go up a little, go down a little, but whatever, they could stay relatively stable. And all the others uh, catch back up. And that's the mean reversion that we're most likely going to see. Now, whether that's this week or toward the end of the year or when it happens, but yeah. one, one sure would expect that's the natural progression of how it should go. Well, and as we have talked about for years, I mean, since the inception of our firm, the it's far easier to know what is going to happen in the market uh, than to know when. <laughs> and the uh, you're right. 
this could continue to go on for some time where it's only seven socks. Uh, it doesn't feel like it to me, mm-hmm. but that's just, you know, my best guess based on experience. It feels like we're at an inflection point where you're starting to see the market broaden out. Mm-hmm. But eventually the market has to broaden it has out. To. So, uh, and that's why being a prudent investor takes patience. Yeah, patience is the key here. And, and right. Markets rotate and change. And uh, it, is, it is unbelievably important to know when patience is, the, is, is kind of the most important factor, which truthfully in investing, a lot of times it is simply patience that, that pays right. off. And what's funny is in hindsight, it doesn't even seem like it's all that much patience. We're talking, you know, this entire talk has really been about what is not even quite a six-month yep. uh, period yet. And in the grand scheme of, of life and in the grand scheme of investing, that's a very short period of time. But mm-hmm. when you're living through it, every moment seems like it lasts so much longer. And fear of missing out is an unbelievably powerful um, psychological force that that investors and everyone in the world has to deal with. (laughs) Well, it is. And I think, you know, maybe we wrap it up like that is because um, there are ways of getting, you know, if you're afraid of missing out on the AI push, um, there are ways, as we have talked about, that you can get exposure to those uh, types of companies um, without having to touch the hottest iron (laughs) <laughs> in yeah. the fire, mm-hmm. um, you can Microsoft benefits uh, from AI, but Microsoft has a much broader business than just mm-hmm. that, and is a you know basically a big blue chip company that's still going to hold on and do well yeah. even without AI. Taiwan Semiconductor, we just mentioned, you know, they're the ones that actually make the yeah. chips. There's no universe where AI takes off that does not benefit Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, and But they're a much more stable business. They're selling at a much better price than, um, than say, NVIDIA. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's different ways of doing that. And the other thing is to remind yourself as a prudent investor, you always have to stay diversified. You can't have all your eggs in one basket. And in a moment like this where diversification doesn't work, where we don't have equity in the equity markets, (laughs) where all the returns are going to less than 1% of the stocks, um, then it was really hard to to stay in, you know, diversified because you look at your portfolio and you're like, why are we not going up, even though everyone says the market is, or yep. not going up as much? And well, the reason is, it's completely skewed by seven stocks. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a good place to end it. It is. Thanks a lot. We uh, we this is a fun one. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see y'all soon. See. You. Capital Advisors is an independent registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Atlanta with clients nationwide. Learn more about us at ironcapitaladvisors.com. The Iron Capital Podcast is produced by Iron Capital Advisors. Our awesome original theme music was written and performed by Michael Smith and Leah Calvert. This content is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or advice. Clients and employees of Iron Capital may make
maintain positions in the securities discussed. Please like and subscribe to the Iron Capital Podcast on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with another episode 